Coming up on Studios America, Burger King is sexist. Begin your boycotting now. I mean, at least, you know, I think they are. I just saw one tweet that said something about women in the kitchen and immediately got pissed off. We'll talk with Blaze TV's Eric July to see if it's worth the outrage or if it's just typical PR nonsense. And speaking of cancellations, bye-bye Pepe Le Pew. You think uh, as a country we would be, oh, 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 I don't know, maybe advancing past the idea of cartoon rapists? <laughs> Sometimes I just can't believe how incredibly outdated we are. You know what's not outdated? Subscribing to your uh, to our own YouTube channel here, of course, at Stu Does America. The podcast is there as well, absolutely free. Go to stewdoesamerica.com and find the best place for you to watch the show and do all the clicking. That's, that's what we need. You do all the clicking, the show succeeds, I think I can put my kids through college. Or uh, consider supporting this network in a bigger way with your very own Blaze TV subscription. Head to blazetv.com slash stew. Enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid, stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. If you listen to the mainstream media the last four years and were stupid enough to believe anything that they said, then you probably have a pretty warped and horrifying view of the former president, Donald Trump. That's not necessarily a surprise from the left, but it takes on a certain ironic flavor when you realize that their reporting wasn't necessarily untrue. It was, however, about the wrong person. Let's do Cuomo versus Trump. Stu does America. Another Monday after another weekend of seemingly constant breaking news about America's dumbest governor, Andrew Cuomo. Over the past couple of days, two more women have come out and accused Governor Cuomo of inappropriate behavior. To summarize, there was a lot of unwanted hugging and touching and some invasive questioning of younger female employees. Happy International Women's Day, ladies. (laughs) Ever the equal opportunity abuser, however, Cuomo was also accused of talking to male employees in sometimes inoffensive ways, including by saying, you have no balls. Now, if there was any part of you that might have believed Cuomo's previous denials, I want you to read this particular thing on the screen verbatim. This might be the single most comical denial in public relations history. Rich as a party, a senior Cuomo advisor said in a separate statement that in the eight years in the governor's office, he, quote, never heard Cuomo use coarse language, end quote, as attributed to him by former male aides. In eight years, you never heard Andrew Cuomo use coarse language like balls? If you believe that, you will believe literally anything. I get that it's your job to kind of spout out unbelievable nonsense and lies about a potential criminal act here and there if you're Andrew Cuomo's spokesperson, but have an ounce of respect for yourself. We all know this guy is dropping F-bombs every two seconds. All this led to uh, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, the state Senate leader, to call for his resignation from The New York Times in a potentially crippling defection in Governor Cuomo's efforts to maintain control amid a sexual harassment scandal. The powerful Democratic leader of the New York State Senate declared on Sunday that the governor should resign, quote, for the good of the state, end quote, amen. The addition uh, of of Carl E. Heastie, He also said it as well. He's the state assembly speaker. Both of them are Democrats, both of them calling for him to resign. So will Cuomo resign? As I have noted many times on this particular program, I'm not sure a person with the mental profile of Andrew Cuomo has the capability to resign. 
he would have to feel shame of some sort, and I do not believe he is capable of such things. And it doesn't matter if you jam his own words in his face, like in this tweet. My personal opinion is, it's impossible for Eric Schneiderman to continue to serve as attorney general, and for the good of his office, he should resign. Back in 2018, Cuomo said that, but in 2021, he's saying, well, quote, the premise of resigning because of allegations is actually undemocratic. Got it? Accusing him and him resign. If he were to resign, he'd be letting down the nation, everybody. In fact, Cuomo's team is actually telling reporters that he won't resign because they noticed that Governor Blackface of Virginia got away with it. From The Atlantic, quote, the old resignation playbook is out, a Cuomo advisor told me, requesting anonymity to discuss the private deliberations that have been going on over the past week. Very much on the minds of Cuomo and his team is Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, who refused to resign in 2019 after the discovery of an old racist yearbook page but who today remains popular with voters. There's a new path, and that, and that is to wait it out, is how the advisor put it to me. That was a quote. Ever notice how the only time politicians find backbones is when their own power is on the line? Now, it might be a good time to remind you that a new T-shirt and mug are up and available anyone else for governor. Get yours at stewdoesmerch.com if you, too, have a governor that sucks. What is so comical about all of this is that we are only hearing about Andrew Cuomo now because it's apparently safe. If you bashed Cuomo before the election, there might have had the side effect of getting Donald Trump elected. And a few thousand dead people or a few assaulted women can't get in the way of stopping that. But what the media and the left have missed throughout this past year is something that should be smacking them right in the face. Everything they have been saying about Donald Trump is absolutely correct when applied to Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo is the exact person the media has accused Donald Trump of being. This caricature of a person who they've spent years and years covering obsessively is right there in Albany. They said Trump was boorish. Well, Andrew Cuomo is boorish. They said Trump would berate his opponents and those who defy him. Andrew Cuomo has been berating his opponents and those who defy him. They say Donald Trump is a bully. Andrew Cuomo is clearly a bully. They said Donald Trump was obsessed with his own media coverage. Well, Andrew Cuomo is totally obsessed with his own media coverage. They said Donald Trump lied constantly. Andrew Cuomo lies constantly. They said Donald Trump would ignore the experts. Yet Andrew Cuomo has had countless experts resign from office because he's been ignoring them. They said Donald Trump acted like a mob boss. Tell me Andrew Cuomo doesn't act like a mob boss. Go ahead, I dare you. They said Donald Trump was a sociopath. Andrew Cuomo puts the pathological in the word sociopath. They said Donald Trump had a daddy complex. Really, Andrew Cuomo? We're really going to compare those. They said Donald Trump was obsessed with his own power. Andrew Cuomo is completely obsessed with maintaining and extending his power. They said Donald Trump would botch his coronavirus response. Andrew Cuomo botched the coronavirus all over New York and its nursing homes. They said Donald Trump was involved in a cover up while Andrew Cuomo was actively covering up his own cover ups. They said Donald Trump was harassing women. Well, Andrew Cuomo has apparently made a career of it. They said Donald Trump was using his political power for personal profit. The Cuomo family invented this scheme.
And they said Donald Trump would always have his core that would never leave him. A third of voters would defend anything he did. Why? Because they loved his tough talk and his down-to-earth plain speaking and that he got things done. That's the same thing Cuomo defenders tell themselves every day. And somehow he still has a 38% approval rating after all of this chaos. We could go through multiple weeks of comparisons about this, but you get the point. Everything the media accused Donald Trump of being is foundational to Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo is, in reality, the media caricature of Donald Trump. They are one and the same, with one very clear exception. Of course, Donald Trump has an R after his name. Andrew Cuomo has that ever-cleansing D. And while that D shielded Cuomo for months and months, he's now learning a very powerful lesson. When you are as awful as Andrew Cuomo is, not even the D after your name can protect you. Because now the media doesn't have Donald Trump to kick around anymore. Finding a real estate agent can be a pain in the ass. I got to be honest with you. I mean, because a lot of times you just just pick like, hey, my friend has a friend who has a friend. And they're a great real estate agent. You'll love them. And then you get over there and they are terrible. And they, you just want to, you want to burn your house down and, and pray for the insurance money at that point. Realestateagentsitrust.com is Glenn's company. Uh, he started this many years ago because he had a bad experience with a realtor and thought to himself, you know, I didn't really do any checking up on this person. You know, a major uh, financial transaction. Maybe I should have done some homework. Well, now realestateagentsitrust.com does that homework for you. You can be rest assured that you're going to be in the hands of the most capable people in the industry who will see your transaction through to the very end. The name says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com. You can get more information at realestateagentsitrust.com. Whether you're buying or selling, you, you should get the best price. Either way, realestateagentsitrust.com. Happy welcome back to the studio. Blaze TV's own Eric July, host of the podcast for Canon's sake. Eric, thanks for stopping in. Hey, thank you for having me again. Long time coming. Yeah, it's been a been while. A minute, yeah. Happy uh, International Women's Day. Oh, yeah, thank you. Thank are you. you. Uh, are, what are you doing to celebrate? Uh, nothing. <laughs> uh, I will be doing nothing. I'll tell, I'll tell the lady I love and kind of go about Mm -hmm. about my business in a normal fashion in a normal fashion you don't have an international women's day tree <laughs> in your house nothing. unfortunately no that's not one of the like okay. big holidays that we like no. you know, have steak dinners at the brazilian <laughs> uh, you know we don't do that that's not sad. for that that's day. sad yeah, I, know. Um, I think actually you're supposed to go to burger king for your international <laughs> uh, women's day <laughs> meals i learned that today on twitter do we have these tweets this is amazing uh this is very uh, controversial uh burger king tweeted this is burger king uk tweeted women belong in the kitchen uh now, the interesting thing here is the if you notice the separation of time between the first tweet and the second tweet, it's like two hours. They actually stuck with it for two hours before doing their pandering nonsense that they had to do. If they want to stay in the kitchen, of course, yet only 20% of chefs are women. We're on a mission to change the gender ratio in the restaurant industry by empowering female employees with the opportunity to pursue a culinary degree. Um, we are proud to be launching a new scholarship program, which will help female Burger King employees pursue their own culinary dreams. I don't I just can't get on board with this pandering identity politics nonsense. Yeah, no, it's always it's, it's boring now that so many people are doing it. But it is hilarious to see it kind of backfire in the way that it did, because, yeah, whoever posted it was like, yeah. <laughs> 
we're going with that. Uh, they didn't understand the sort of cultural thing with yeah. the whole putting women back in the kitchen. And there's a lot of people jokingly like, oh, yeah, that's what we've been saying for a long time. I was like, wow, uh, they, that's what they went with. And then two yeah. hours later, they was like, oh, well, we tried to further further explain. But the other tweet's still up. So, uh, yeah, that's still funny to me. One of the things that I find interesting about it is it seems to me to be a they came out with this statement to try to draw attention. Absolutely. And then they're going to follow up with their little pandering thing. <laughs> and, and and people were critical of them online, not because they think Burger King is sexist and not because they're questioning the program, um, which I think we can question that from a different perspective on the identity politics yeah. front. But like it's because they just should have known that no one would read the second tweet. Yeah. Right. Like they should have been so aware that people have no attention span and have no interest in finding out what the context is that they would blast them whether they you know tweeted out a clarification or not. Yeah, that was they they shot themselves in the foot to have such a short. Um, like that exact thing has been said by people and it's gotten them in a lot of trouble. <laughs> uh, but to see them post that, it, go, it goes to show how a lot of these guys are just culturally unaware. Mm. But a lot of these people work for these companies that, that unfortunately had all of these efforts, which we see, which is bled really in everything that they, it's a complete identity politic focused nonsense yeah. where it's like, OK, we have to lead with that it's not about merit it's not about performance based or anything it's more so about the fact that well this person's a woman this person's black this person's hispanic and we must do something to single single them out which is hilarious because a lot of this the groups are sit here and focus so much on equality and all these <laughs> other things and the the best way at least for what we've been saying as capitalists is just leave it up to the market and if you're better than everybody man woman whatever it is that you want to call yourself uh, then then you should prevail. But unfortunately, we're going to, in this direction with really everything. It's like video gaming. It's everywhere where mm -hmm. we're seeing a lot of just focus on this particular race, this particular um, uh, um, gender, and they limit everybody's being to exactly that. And that, to me, is the most insulting part of it. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, if you really look at what they're saying, you know, women belong in the kitchen. If they want to, of course, yet only 20 percent of chefs are women. Well, what if only 20% of chefs want to be women? What if that's just the, what they want, right? Like, we, they go through this denial process acting as if men and women are not different. We saw this in the, um, the Democrats tried to pass this policing bill. And one of the aspects of it seemed to be that if you were getting towards the end of the month and you realize you had arrested too many uh, men, you'd have to, at the end of the month, be like, well, we got to go pull over like a bunch of women to prove that we're not being, you know, prejudiced against one gender or the other. Obviously, that wasn't the goal of it. But like there was this idea that you had to go, you know, pull over a bunch of white guys or a bunch of Hispanics or whatever the, whatever the, the group is. And it's like this is creating insane incentives and it doesn't matter how well-meaning it is if it works out like this we should we should be able to recognize this is a bad idea yeah you you, you absolutely should but that's the thing and the focus of on of the hyper emphasis on like disparity and i hate it i've always hated yeah. it said people will look at a pie chart 100 percent and say that well this uh, pop part of the population represents this much of it that represents that much of it. And because that, I guess, isn't equal all the way around, not 25 percent, 25, 25 and 25, there is some sort of wrongdoing. And that to me is the frustrating part, because 
it, it, it acts as if we are all the same and we're robots. That's the only reason yeah. that would make sense. If we were all the same and robots, no matter what gender, race, then fine. That would make sense. Uh, you'd think you'd come up with something. But considering the fact that we aren't all equal in the way that they think that we are, there is inevitably going to be sp- disparity. It's with great Thomas Sowell would always talk about like that inequality that you see should be an expectation. Like because that is human nature. We're all different, like culture difference and, er- and everything. And like you said with this, like maybe that was voluntarily arrived. It's not because women are being, let's say, pushed out or there's some sort of wrongdoing there, maybe it's that just is the conclusion that's happening or you're seeing the result of them and that's not necessarily something that they want to uh, go accomplish. Maybe for men, it's it, it's different. But they look at that and they think there's some sort of crime, some sort of wrongdoing because they're operating under this false uh, uh, thing is in, in, in which everything's equal and every being is equal and we should have this sort of equal representation and everything. But when you break that down, as I just did, it makes no sense whatsoever. No, it really doesn't. And, and like sometimes there just are differences, right? That's okay. It doesn't, yes. It's not always a problem to solve. Like I would argue this, like we were just talking about the NBA before we came on, uh, before we came on the air, talking about the Mavs. The NBA is what, 70, 75% African-American. Now, it's only African-Americans, only 13 percent of the population. Why is that? Is that racism toward like against white people? Like, I would argue, no, the best players are getting the best jobs. They're outperforming white people. That's, you know, white people are punters in the NFL because it's the only thing we can do. So, (laughs) like, there is that thing where sometimes these things just happen and they're not always problems. Sometimes they're part of just the cultural tapestry of life. Absolutely. And that's what people need to understand. I mean, you brought up a great example with basketball, like, that with the NFL I believe that's a majority mm-hmm. uh, black it's like that was what it is culturally and maybe you go into other sports which the, you know like baseball or something there's not a whole lot of black people let's say there and it's not because well they're being actively kept out like they were maybe way back in the day when you had separate leagues but it's like mm-hmm. culturally that's not generally like in a lot of black communities what we do we do basketball we do uh, football we do like I did track and stuff like that not necessarily yeah. baseball though there are black sure great some of the greatest in the uh, in the uh, history of the league have been black absolutely but th- that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a wrongdoing. So when we see that, some of that is voluntarily arrived. And you're right. It's not necessarily a problem per se, just because the disparity exists in this league or this uh, human affair has more or less white people, black people, men, women. That doesn't necessarily mean that there's, there's a wrongdoing. And that's good luck trying to get some of the young folk to understand that because they've been brainwashed into believe, oh, well, there's a disparity. Therefore, there is a problem. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, because I think that we there is this thing. Some of the stuff has started with good intent getting good intentions. But our country is constantly slapped around by these good intentions. Yes. Another example of this is the one point nine trillion dollar spending bill. They tried to get the minimum wage thing through there. We're talking about Burger King here for a second. I mean. The $1.9 trillion bill, if they got the $15 minimum wage in there, people who are at the bottom of the scale, who are getting their first jobs. I worked at a fast food restaurant for my first job. There's no, I didn't, I wasn't even worth the $4 I was making at the time, let alone $15. These guys would not have jobs at all. I mean, you you talked about Thomas Sowell before. Thomas Sowell said the the actual minimum wage is zero. That is what the minimum wage is. It's not four twenty seven. It's not seven twenty five. It's not fifteen dollars. It's zero. When they when they raise that that minimum wage up there, these guys are going to be the ones paying the price. The people who are the poorest among us, the people trying to get started, trying to take some initiative to get their career going, they're the ones that are punished. Yes. Rest in peace, uh, Dr. Walter E. Williams. Uh, You know, this is something that was covered. 
multiple times by him talking about the state against blacks, for example, and what you have a lot of people, definitely poor people, whether black or white, doesn't even matter really, where they're not going to get the useful tools that will make them marketable, let's say, uh, or rather useful in the market in like some of these rotten schools. Mm-hmm. But they can get it working. And a lot of people are trying to get these entry level jobs and they can't. And what you effectively do is you price them out of the market when you raise that. So the people that need it most are not going to be the people that are being mm. got going to get these jobs. Uh, now, at least initially, considering that people make adjustments, see, minimum wage is, you know, despite it's funny that the people that advocate for it are these anti-racism when you consider minimum wage laws <laughs> and the history of that, especially in this country, um, which they were literally that were first implemented in this country to specifically price women, young folk and and black folk out of the market. And it's kind of works in the same way as it does right now. But they think that. No company, no business, no business owner, small or big, would ever make an adjustment in the event that you just said out of nowhere. Like if you're living in the South somewhere uh, that does kind of go by way of the federal minimum wage law because they don't have a state minimum wage law, because, well, that's what what is dictated necessarily by the market as muddy that as it is. Well, those people right there now you got to pay them double. And people don't understand, like the business owner's like, okay, well, okay, you know, I guess I gotta make an adjustment. I'm not just gonna sit here and swallow the cost. It's not gonna happen. I'm just gonna eat it, eat it up. So maybe you get fired. Somebody gets fired. Maybe two people's jobs get combined, so they uh, uh, hire someone that has more of a skill set, so they can take on on more different things. They are going to make an adjustment. It does not help the people that it pretends. Uh, that it, that's trying to assist. Like you said, like being young, you weren't even worth. Whatever it was that they were paying you, because <laughs> yeah. I would, I would have groceries. Me sacking groceries wasn't worth. I think it was seven twenty five when I was coming up. It wasn't worth any of that. Me going sacking groceries and going to get get a cart. It was it was a breeze, but that wasn't probably worth it, what I was getting. But I wanted some you know extra cash to do mm-hmm. do things, go to the movies or yeah. whatever it was that I wanted to do. And it was you know a skill set, and that ended up becoming. You know, me, that was my entry level. And that turned into me working in the produce section of the grocery store and made sure. more money. You know, so it's a growth process that you're not going to get in other places. And effectively, right now, you're, you're pricing these a lot of young folk, especially out of the market. You're not helping the people that you think that you're uh, helping. Yeah. And I was a terrible worker at any price. So I should be clear <laughs> about that. Um, but uh, tell me this, Eric, you have a young worker who comes up. He wants to get a, uh, an entry level job. He gets priced out of the market because the minimum wage is fifteen dollars an hour. That person is now without a job, without an ability to get that experience, and they enter the workforce with no, maybe a lesser work ethic, without the knowledge of how to, how to keep those things up. And now you've created someone who's going to have to be dependent on the government. How much of this, the result of this policy, is intentional? Because you're creating a whole new army of people who need you if you're a Democrat. And politician. I think that's what the, the direction that they go. Because if you think about all, all it is, a lot of these Democrats a- advocate, it's, it's predicated on that. You being dependent on them, you needing them. They do not like this idea of people being self-sufficient. They don't like the idea of people being able to do things within their own space on for, for self-fulfillment, they do not like that because that proves that you don't need them. This is why you will never see them come out in a way that, 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 let's say, empowers the individual or empowers the market. Those are not what they lead with their policies. It's just we, 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 we are stuff. It's us. We take care of you. And that's how they generally operate. So I think some of it is intentional in a sense that a lot of these politicians understand that, that it sounds good. 
despite if they end up destroying someone else's life, it sounds good. And unfortunately, there's a lot of low information people to think that, well, it's a good thing, right? Because you're just going to give people more money. What's the worst that can happen in that? I said, all right, why well, stop at 15? If that's the case, why not go to 30? If, if, if it works in the way that they say that that it does. But it's a purely political, emotional sort of a, a thing that does nothing but keep a lot of these people who are who need these dependent people because they're always promising something. They need them to be dependent. And it sucks because you're right. A lot of young folk end up going to, you know, well into the, you know, going into their 20s, having not worked really anything, not having gained a valuable a valuable skill that they easily could have gotten and people who are willing, mm. even if it was something that they were willing to work, like, man, I don't have a lot of money. Just give me, give me, the, give me this job. I just mop the floors for four bucks. That's, that's fine. You're what the minimum wage is stupid as it sounds is what it is. The minimum wage says it's illegal for you to hire that person, no matter if y'all voluntarily would, would agree to it. And you know, if you've ever been a desperate person, you know, look, I just want a little something, something, something. They'll take that. For sure. And they'll better their life, lift their living standard because of it. But you're now saying that it's illegal for them to do it, no matter if they, again, have no problem working. It makes absolutely no sense. And uh, I, I just don't know that the American people will ever grasp this. I mean, you just keep pulling this and they're like, well, everyone wants minimum wage increases. But when it costs jobs, when it costs people uh, their their livelihood, uh, it's a real problem. Eric July, Blaze TV contributor, host of the podcast for Canon's sake, also on News and Why It Matters, I believe, uh, today. Make sure to check that episode out as well. Eric, thanks for coming in today. Thank you for having me again. All right. Back in a second. I want to warn you in advance. This next segment is going to be one of the dumbest segments you've ever heard in your entire life. I'm just telling you up front. Lower your expectations. What I'm about to talk about is insanely stupid. Okay? Are you aware of faux? Now, not faux like F-A-U-X, fake, but faux, P-H-O. Now, if you do know what faux is, you know that I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. It's actually pronounced pho, I think. That's what I'm told, at least in this article, about faux, which says it's pho. This, I will say the internets uh, tell me something totally different. They tell me it's fur. Fur. P-H-O? How, what? Fur. I'm not, I'm not going to say fur. If I went to one of these places and I said, hi, can I have some fur? Fur. They would give me something totally different, and I want to know what that is, frankly. So I'm just going to call it pho because I think that's what I'm supposed to say. So pho is like a noodle dish. I don't know. It doesn't look all that appealing to me, frankly. Uh, it looks like a bunch of bo- uh, broth, and then they sprinkle some leftovers in it. I don't know what it is. Doesn't look good to me at all, frankly. You might think it is great. If that's, if that's you, that's, that's wonderful. You do you. I'll get some pizza. That's the way this works. Um, there's a new article that is one of the dumbest things I've ever written, I've read in my entire life. White food blogger faces backlash for misnaming noodle soup recipe pho. The popular recipe creator uh, named uh, Tegan Gerard. Uh, popular food blog Half Baked Harvest found herself in hot water. <laughs> Get it? Because of soup. Found herself in hot water. She cre- uh, created and shared a noodle soup recipe to her blog titled Weeknight Ginger Pho, uh, which is Vietnamese chicken soup, apparently, in February. Uh, the recipe, as Manny pointed out, was not really pho or fur. Instead, it was more of a quick noodle dish with caramelized chicken and a sweet, spicy, tangy sesame chili sauce. Okay. Then we have nine pages 
of idiotic reactions from morons who got offended that her noodle dish was not apparently authentic fur or fur or faux. None of them. It was apparently something else that was noodles with like broth and chicken. Now, of course, the definition of fur and fur and faux is this. It's a Vietnamese soup consisting of bone broth, rice noodles, spices, herbs, and meat. And her recipe was something totally different, I guess, which was a quick noodle dish with chicken and a tangy sesame chili sauce with broth. Looks a lot like the same thing to me. Apparently did to her, too. That pissed everybody off. You get quotes like this. What upset me the most was that she passed it off as pho, or pho, or fur. What upset you the most? There was more than one thing that upset you about a recipe? What on earth could upset you about a recipe? If you don't like the recipe, don't make the recipe. Why would this get you to a, a point of action? Who are these freaking people? Now, of course, this lady uh, takes this to heart, or frankly, or... Or the guy, I don't know, it's a guy or a girl, to be frank. And, and I shouldn't judge that anyway. Okay, I want you to notice that. Uh, responded, um, right, writing, thank you so much for taking the time to comment. I understand where you were coming from and have decided to change the recipe title. Actually, she wrote the recipe, uh, recipe tittle. So, again, she's misappropriating things. It was not a tittle, it was a title. Uh, it was never my intention to offend or hurt anyone in the culture. I will be sure to be more conscious when deciding on recipe tittles in the future. I'm just reading what she's wrote. Uh, recipe tittles in the future. And be sure to do more research. Thank you for kindly bringing this to my attention. I really appreciate you kindly letting, uh, letting voicing your concern uh, from Tegan. This, of course, did not end the, the shenanigans. She was request, she was on the, the story was on the Today Show. A recipe blogger misnaming her recipe for soupy noodles as some other type of soupy noodles was on the Today Show. Um, another story from BuzzFeed about the story. Um, a former fan of her blog wrote, I don't know why I'm freaking out about this. Yeah, you know, I don't know either. Maybe you're insane. Maybe that's why you're freaking out about it. Have you stopped to think that maybe if you freak out about recipe titles, you're just a crazy person? Like maybe the answer is you should just be locked up in an asylum because that's not a sane thing to worry about. But that's not what she was worried about. She wasn't like, I don't know why I'm upset that they named this pho when it wasn't fur or pho. No, she's upset. She doesn't know why she's freaking out about this because she was freaking out that she had to speak out about this uh, issue. She says, I don't know why I'm freaking out about this. This is the food of my people. I should be able to say something about this, but I was terrified. Terrified? You were terrified for commenting about a soup recipe? What the hell is going on? If we had a war right now, we would lose in seconds. We have people in our country who are terrified of commenting on soup. But there's more. The lack of acknowledgement can really hurt the Asian community. Can it? Can the lack of acknowledging pho really hurt the Asian community? 
I don't know, man. I feel like uh, that's kind of insulting to Asian people. That they can't sit here because some white blogger doesn't know the name of their freaking soup. It's hurting their community. This is asinine. How does this society stand with all this nonsense? It's so incredibly pathetic in every freaking way. And then, and without fail, the answer to it is, is, a, is a self-aggrandizing apology that makes the whole situation worse. I would be calling every single recipe on my blog pho for six months. Even if it was like corn fritters. I'd, I'd, take, I'd make chocolate eclairs and call them pho after that. By the way, if you wanted to know, the last couple pages here of this endless article about pho recipes, or pho recipes, or fur recipes. What are the best practices for recipe creators? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, endless. Endless tools for you to understand how you're supposed to name your recipes. Then we hear this. Uh, one of the uh, people accusing uh, Gerard of having uh, a problem here accused her of having a repeated history of taking bits and pieces of various Asian cuisines, mashing them together and calling the dish something it's not. There's a fine line between cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation. All right. First of all, Asian fusion is a thing, right? I mean, that's just people getting a bunch of stuff and mixing it together. Isn't that what that means? I don't I, that's what I thought it meant, at least. But, like, if there's a fine line between cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation, isn't it your job not to freak out if someone crosses it? If it's a fine line, by definition, it's close call. And therefore, maybe you should not be a lunatic when it comes to sorting these things out. Uh, there's a fine line between cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation. Her lack of acknowledgement of the rich cultural history her dishes are inspired by is the definition of cultural appropriation. In the end, it's the same story. She benefits from these altered dishes while our culture is erased. What are you talking about? First of all, she's a food blogger. She's probably making like a dollar per post. Second of all, okay... You're not getting your cultural your culture erased because someone says they like the style of your food and tries to appreciate it, tries to imitate it, tries to make their own little version of it. All of this is this is what crazy people do. If you go down under a bridge, there's people holding signs and drinking Jack Daniels and those people are saying these things. Those people, the people who think they used to hold up signs saying the end of the world is coming. Now they're saying that's not really fa or foe or fur. Back in a second. The whole world has gone insane. Wouldn't you like something sane? to be able to do with your day today. Let me give you something. How would you like to keep an extra $961 a year in your pocket? That's how much Gabby customers are saving per year on car and home insurance. That's why when I was shopping for insurance, I used Gabby myself. Gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples to apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers. Just click uh, your current insurance account, uh, you link it all up, and in minutes you'll see uh, quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have. That's one of the things when you're shopping insurance around 
you might go to somebody and they have a better price, but you're not getting all that coverage. Unless you're some sort of insurance genius, you're not going to know the difference. Gabby does know the difference. They'll find the exact same policy and give you all the prices. And if they can't find you savings, uh, then you, they will let you know, hey, you got the best price right now. Come check back with us in a few months. And if we find something better, we'll hook you up with that. No, uh, they don't sell your info. No annoying spam or robocalls. Uh, you're probably overpaying on car and home insurance. Why not find out if that's true? Go to Gabby uh, right now, gabby.com slash stew. It's G-A-B-I dot com slash stew. Make sure to use the slash stew part of the address because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Gabby.com slash stew, G-A-B-I dot com slash stew. Well, it's been about nine seconds since we canceled something, so let's find something new. Pepe Le Pew is uh, about to be canceled, is in the process of being canceled, and seems to be canceled. Sorry, Pepe. If you remember him, little cartoon skunk type of thing, uh, very offensive. First of all, I will tell you that the behind all of this, uh, behind this terrible story, is an evil force that is behind almost every terrible story. Of course, LeBron James. LeBron James is behind this. Actually, it's true. Uh, he uh, inexplicably is in Space Jam 2. And they took one of the, and the greatest player of all time. Michael Jordan was in the original. And they, they picked the 11th greatest player of all time uh, here to be in the sequel. Uh, LeBron James, uh, he uh, apparently made a remark in the script as he was going through it that Pepe, or Pepe, Pep, Pepe, Pepe, Pepe Le Pew, uh, he can't... Uh, he, they had to X him out of the script because he can't grab other tunes without their consent. This perplexes me. I don't I did not know that was what would happen in Pepe Le Pew. Um, also, now he will not be uh, slated for any future Warner Brothers television pro- uh, projects uh, because, you know, again, this is all LeBron James's fault. Not all LeBron James. Also, Charles Blow is in on it. Uh, Charles Blow, the, uh, of course, uh, liberal columnist. He's made a point on Twitter. And he was upset that right because it's always right wing blogs that are attacking these poor liberals because they just don't have control of any of the media uh, at all. I mean, geez, they just get such a rough shake uh, from the media. Here's his tweet. Right wing blogs are mad because I said Pepe Le Pew added to rape culture. (laughs) Again, this is what keeps happening with these stories for a second. Let me rant because what they do is it sounds ridiculous for me to be doing a segment about Pepe Le Pew being canceled. And talking about Pepe Le Pew and rape culture. That sounds ridiculous for me to say that Dr. Seuss has been canceled or uh, that uh, Anne Jemima has been canceled from the pancake box. But this all starts with the left doing this. The left starts these crazy things. They somehow work. And then when we complain about it, they're like, I can't believe that idiot is complaining about Pepe Le Pew. I don't care about Pepe Le Pew. OK, I don't even, I would not have even remembered Pepe Le Pew existed until uh, just a few minutes ago. But it is just a sign of these things constantly happening. Okay, Charles Blow's tweet. Right-wing blogs are mad because I said Pepe Le Pew added to rape culture. Uh, Let's see. He grabs, kisses a girl, stranger, repeatedly without consent and against her will. She struggles mightily to get away from him, but he won't release her. He locks a door to prevent her from escaping. Is this true? I mean, I didn't know it was true. Let's check it out. Here's the clip he's talking about. Mm. Oh, the adoration. She's trying to kind of get away. Oh my gosh, this is offensive. She's trying to escape. He's holding her tight. Now she gets away. What does this bastard do? He grabs her again. Oh, clever. We will never part again. 
Oh, now she gets away again. What does he do? This bastard closes the door to trap her and then tries to hit on her again. Okay, so we get the point here. This is what he's saying. Of course, I didn't remember that was the storyline of the story. And someone on the, on, on the Twitters pointed out in the, in the replies, uh, this guy doesn't even know what he's talking about. There have been multiple times in which Penelope the cat loves him. But he smelled like he what like what he was a skunk. So the issue wasn't that he didn't she didn't want to kiss him. She didn't. She thought he smelled. In fact, there is a pretty famous uh, cartoon that explained this exact thing from Pepe Le Pew. Watch. She sees a deodorizing. He sees a deodorizing service. He goes into the deodorizing service. Because he wants to smell good Wait, for Penelope the cat. If you cannot leak them, Penelope the cat them. is about to Look kill herself because there. she can't be with the person she loves or the skunk she loves in this case. But then sees a Limburger cheese factory and goes in and smells herself up with Limburger cheese. So now she smells and he uh, badly and he smells good. And then they get together again as they are about to approach each other. They're about to say, here we are. And what happens? My darling, I am they start so to kiss. He smells her. So glad she stinks, and the whole thing reverses. Ooh, this isn't about rape culture. It's about body odor. And I don't know if Charles Blow knows anything about body odor, but I know, I'll tell you this, LeBron James sure does. Okay? Back in a second. I did some show research today. Okay, some serious show research. And I, I decided to go to the, uh, the website here of Brooker's Founding Flavors. Mm-hmm. And I just printed out their list of flavors. Now, I, I know they're rotating them in all the time. I don't know if they have all these all the time. I'm just going to give you a couple, a couple of classics here. James Madison Constitu- Constitutional Crunch. Thomas Jefferson's Declaration of Cookie Dough. Patrick Henry's Give Me Chocolate or Give Me Death. Oh, my gosh. This one, George Mason's Peanut Butter Bill of Rights. Oh, man. I am all in. I, the peanut butter ones I'm a sucker for. They have Monroe's Marshmallow Peanut Butter Cookie uh, Doctrine. They have John Adams' Oh My Ooey Gooey Butter Cake. I don't know if that has any historical reference. I just know I like the Ooey Gooey Butter Cake thing. Look, I will tell you, if you've never had ice cream from Brookings Founding Flavors, you've never had ice cream. This is the best ice cream you're going to be able to find anywhere in the country, and they will ship it to your door. There's tons of uh, flavors out there. They're changing them out all the time. Go to brookersicecream.com. Click on the Ship Nationwide tab. You deserve to, to treat yourself to this. Uh, ship nationwide at brookersicecream.com. Don't forget, you got to click the Ship Nationwide tab. You get all the flavors they can send you. You will not regret this. I promise you, brookersicecream.com. Thank you for making it this long into the program. If you're here, please just click like on the video now to make, my, make me feel good. I mean, it's really the only thing I have for self-esteem. I really do appreciate it. By the way, in right now, Nancy Pelosi sucks. T-shirts right here. Check it out. There we go. They're available now. Uh, StuDoesMerch.com. I mean, uh, there's nothing classier than that, except for maybe the Nancy Pelosi Sucks mug. Now, from there, you can't even see what it says, but it just says little tiny print all over. It says Nancy Pelosi Sucks. You can, you can drink this right in the, uh, in the presence of a liberal. They're not even going to know what it says until they look really close and then realize uh, that it's there. And, of course, the pens are available now. They're back in stock. They've been going very fast. So if you want to get a Nancy Pelosi Sucks pen, please go grab one at nancypelosisuckspen.com. Before we leave... I want to tell you about a new movie that I'm pretty interested in. It's being written by John Cleese and Rob Schneider. It uh, should be pretty funny, I mean, with those two involved in it. It's called The Great Emu War. It is written about a real-life event in 1932 when Australia realized they had too many emus and decided to annihilate the emus with machine guns. 
Apparently this is a real story. They're an invasive species, decided to take machine guns to the population and kill them. And uh, they, uh, this is it's a great quote. It really happened. They tried to kill them and they couldn't even kill them. It's a very funny idea, so that's why we're here. Uh, the emu war was notorious even if it's in its own time, with some contemporary estimates suggesting that only 50 of the flightless birds were killed. They sucked at killing flightless birds. <laughs>